Welcome to the Vineyard Cleveland podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For further information and other resources, please visit vineyardcleveland.org. So this morning we're going to talk about um, partnership with the Holy Spirit. And before we talk about that, I should note that uh, why, why values matter in general. Why do values matter in general? Now, each of us, whether it's through your family or through your workplace, you all have different sets of values that you follow or that you engage with or you embrace, whether that's um, we value bedtime at our house because our toddlers are crazy or whether it's a workplace environment or a culture. Culture is important. And we'd like to think of ourselves here at Vineyard Cleveland as unique, not in a better or worse than way, but just different in finding our place within the body of Christ. It's called the body of Christ for a reason, and we believe that we're set in that body, positioned to bring life to the city around us. Likewise, you're not on an island. There are thousands, like 3,500, I think, or 4,000 vineyards vineyard churches across the world and more churches being planted all of the time who are kind of seeing it the same way you're seeing it. And so that's encouraging for us that we're not alone. You know, this radical middle that we talk about here at Vineyard Cleveland, this living intention, whether it's intention between uh, the, the charismatic and, and, and the word, you know, and the spirit and the word or uh, the radical middle, wherever we find ourselves in, we want to live intention in the middle. And that's a value that we hold really dear. So there's all these things that we value in our lives and they're important because values uh, act as kind of like guardrails on our life. Which way are we going? You have them in your family for a reason. Values are important. It's always good to remember and to speak on value. What we did this morning, how Sandy led us. It's not, um, it's not by accident that Paul in the New Testament says, when, whenever you do this, remember, because we're leaky and we forget things all of the time. So we need to be reminded. It's important to take, to receive communion together. We need to be reminded of that, that this is why we're here. The cross is why we're here. The resurrection is why we're here. The body and the blood of Jesus, that's why we're here. And so we do that frequently to remind ourselves of that high value that Jesus' life and death matter. So we remind ourselves, values are important. Who we are, they govern how we act. Values are these Ideas, yes, but they, they turn into action. And so we see sometimes the bad ideas have bad consequences in our lives when we act on those values that we hold. And the good ideas, the ones that come from Jesus, also have consequences, and they're very good, and they bless people around us, and they bless our hearts as well. And so that's why values are really, really important. And this morning we're talking about partnership with the Holy Spirit. And the first thought that I wanted to share with us is that we can't partner with someone we don't know. We can't partner with somebody that we don't know. And so this morning's all about communion with the Holy Spirit. 
communion with the Holy Spirit. We remembered Jesus and communion, and we remember um, the Holy Spirit this morning, that he's active and present in our lives. This Greek word that we see in the New Testament when it comes to partnership or communion is koinonia. And it's all about knowing someone, fellowship with someone. And I wanted to read you this quote from an author who I just love, Henry Nouwen. And Henry Nouwen is talking about money. And it's not like a shameless plug for giving or anything. I guess it could be. But um, it's more related to how we view the Holy Spirit and how we partner with him. So this is Nouwen. This is Henry Nouwen on giving, on financial giving. Here's what he says. He says this, "When, when we ask people for money to strengthen or expand the work of the kingdom, we're also inviting them into a new spiritual communion. Asking for money is a way to call people into this communion with us. It's saying, we want you to get to know us. Gathered together by our common yearning, we begin to know this communion as we move together toward our vision. It's the spiritual communion we want to invite you into here at Vineyard Cleveland. We want you to get to know us and the heart to do ministry in Cleveland. Okay? So that's financial giving. In the same way, we give ourselves to the Holy Spirit in communion. We offer ourselves to him in partnership saying, we want to know you and we want you to know us. Do you see the correlation between the two? I know it's an analogy on money, but it, 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 it directly impacts how we view partnership with the Holy Spirit. It's saying to the Holy Spirit every morning, come, come Holy Spirit, have access to every place in my life. We want you to know us and we want to know you. And so we give ourselves. That's what the Holy Spirit asks for. Just ourselves. And I I say just ourselves, but you guys know as well as I do, that's a tough assignment to give all of ourselves to him. It's really tough to say, okay, I give you everything and consistently lay down our lives day after day and saying, God, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. And so at the Vineyard here in Cleveland and throughout Vineyard churches around the world, you'll hear this common prayer. Come, Holy Spirit. We sang it this morning in worship. And Billy and I did not have one single conversation about this talk, so I feel like it's important. It's important, and the Holy Spirit wants us to get this little part. That little prayer is so important in the Vineyard movement. And here at our church, we don't want to start one gathering, one kids gathering, one financial meeting with the board without first saying, come Holy Spirit. It's not strategic ideas that lead to massive church growth. It's not implementing um, surveys. All of those are important things. It's come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. That's the way we do ministry here at Vineyard. Come, Holy Spirit. The origins of that prayer are really interesting. We lifted that prayer, Vineyard. It's not ours. It doesn't belong to us. But rather, it, it's Catholic in nature. It's, it's from like the 12th century. 
It's not a new prayer. But churches all over the globe, vineyard or otherwise, have learned to pray this rhythm, come Holy Spirit. Because it's at the heart of Jesus' message, which is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God comes when we invite the Holy Spirit into the room. And several, several folks have asked me over the years, like, you can't order around the Holy Spirit. Come on, like, come Holy Spirit, and real critical on that prayer. But that's not what we're doing when we say, come Holy Spirit. Like, if, um, like if someone walked through that door right now, or as you walk through the door this morning, we, we wouldn't be saying, Come, Dave, forth. Like, sit right there. It's more of a welcoming. We welcome that person's presence. We acknowledge that person's presence in the room. We say, this is your gathering. This isn't Eben's gathering. This isn't Vineyard Cleveland's gathering, so to speak. This is the Holy Spirit's gathering. Come, Holy Spirit. This is your room. You do what you want. And so we're just acknowledging his presence in our midst. And I wanted to read to you that original prayer. I thought it would be good for us just to get quiet and hear the the prayer in its totality, where we've paraphrased in our abbreviated world, we abbreviate everything, everything, and to hear that prayer in its totality and to let the words of that prayer soak over our souls. I'm going to read it twice. I'm going to pray it twice. And the first time I'm going to pray it, I'm not going to pray it in Latin, although it's Vini Sancti Sancte Spiritus. Come, Holy Spirit. There it is in Latin. But I'm going to read it in sort of the King Jamesy, and then I'm going to read the par- my paraphrase of it. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created. And thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful, kindle the fire of your love, send your spirit, and we are new. You recreate the earth, we pray. God, teach us in wisdom by the light of your spirit. In grace, we received your wisdom, grateful for your care of our souls. In Jesus Christ, the Lord, we pray. Amen. So good, right? Come, Holy Spirit, just welcoming his presence among us, fixing our eyes on his presence, this intangible, unseeable thing that we feel in our hearts. Waking up this morning, I just sensed his presence just from, from the moment like I became conscious and awake, just, just holding my heart and asking me to let go of things and encouraging my soul and just sensing his presence from even before I woke up, but sensing him the, the millisecond I woke up. 
You know, he's with us always. So why do we need to pray, come Holy Spirit? We acknowledge his presence in the room. He's already here. He's already at work in every single person's life. And we're just looking to partner with what he's already doing. And that's the main thrust today, is just looking, opening our eyes and our hearts, acknowledging his presence, opening our eyes and hearts to his activity, not only in our own souls, but in our communities, families around us, and asking the Father, what do you want to do today with my life? Like Wimber, the founder of the vineyard, used to say, I'm spare change in your pocket. Spend me however you'd like. However you'd like. And so we're going to be in John, in the Gospel of John, mainly this morning. And with the remainder of the time that we have this morning, I'm going to read some scripture and then unpack that a little bit. And then I'm going to give three kind of practical ways that we can be better partners of the Holy Spirit. So in John chapter 5, verses 16 through 23... Jesus is talking, and he's, he's in trouble again. Jesus is always getting himself into trouble. He's in trouble again with the religious leaders. And he says this, starting in verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, the Jews persecuted him. Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. For the father loves the son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the son, that all may honor the son just as they honor the father. He who does not honor the son does not honor the father who sent him. My father is always at work. That's the key verse we want to, the key phrase of Jesus is that we want to key in on. My father is always at work. And then the other one is that the son does nothing apart from the father. There's a partnership there between the son and the father. And I, I, wanted, to, I wanted us to think about just words that come to mind when we think about the Holy Spirit. Because I think, in, in my view, there's not one aspect of Christianity that's more misunderstood than this idea or this person of the Holy Spirit. I wanted to share with you a little bit of my story. And my story is a little bit strange, as you might say about your own story. 
But my story is that I grew up in this kind of reformed, legalistic environment um, at the time. It might have given a lot of life to others, but not for me. It was very closed off. It was very rigid in who was in and who was out and, and doing things to earn God's favor and his grace, though grace was preached so often from the pulpit. And I went to a, a private school that, that followed suit of the message from the church. And so, you know, I, I, I found myself being very turned off to Christianity by the time I went through that system and graduated from that high school. So much so that I just threw up my hands and I said, I don't want anything to do with the church. I, I just think this is a bunch of baloney. I don't want anything to do with this. I can't be good enough, I think was my heart cry at that moment, although I didn't know how to put language around it. I was like, I can't be good enough, and I can't repent enough, and I can't, how many times am I going to come to the altar? I can't lay this thing down. I can't um, stay away from bad things enough. I just do bad things all the time, and I don't do enough good things. And that was my reality growing up. So much so that I didn't want anything to do with it. Now, there was a little blip in between. This is where my journey gets unique. Is that my mom got this this art teaching job at a charismatic Pentecostal school. Around about uh, fourth grade through sixth grade, I went to this charismatic Pentecostal school. And so it was kind of like taking me out of this one lake that I was swimming in and putting me in this whole other lake over here saying, okay, now do religion like this. And gosh, that was a wake-up call. So when we think about words that are related to the Holy Spirit, this is my first introduction to the Holy Spirit. Where before the Holy Spirit, I can't even remember a sermon in, that, in the first church that was even remotely based on the Holy Spirit or teaching around the gifts of the Holy Spirit or anything like that. The Holy Spirit was shied away from, and, and God forbid you start to raise your hands in that church. People might cast you, what, what are you doing? Put your hands down. You know, like, don't do, don't do that. That's emotionalism, you know? And so it's very much discouraged. And now we're uh, in the this charismatic kind of Pentecostal AG kind of environment. And I always share the story, um, hopefully not too often because it's humorous to me, but <laughs> it's just a part of my journey. I always share the story of chapel times at Evangel Christian Academy. And chapel times were special. They were so special. I remember being in fourth grade with my uniform buttoned up, you know, blue slacks, light blue, polo shirt, everybody's wearing the same outfits, you know, plaid dresses for the girls, everybody's, it's this charismatic, like, you know, Holy Spirit fire kind of place, and chapel was really special, because at chapel time on Tuesday mornings, um, they would have teachers assigned to the different rows in the gyms as we came to worship, and the teacher assigned to my row was Mrs. Weber, and Mrs. Weber was lovely. She, and, you know, if she's listening now, you're lovely, and we love you. And Mrs. Weber would just go for it during chapels. You know, she had just wonderful blue 
eyeshadow makeup and the hair teased up because that was the, 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 the style of the day. And, and she would just go for it in tongues and she'd be speaking out in tongues and shouting out in tongues. And we're fourth graders, you know, standing in the row like, oh my God, what is going on here? You know, we had no frame of reference for what Mrs. Weber was engaging in. We're like, what's going on? And then David Ice, the music teacher, is like red, fiery red hair, thin as a rail, and he's standing up at the piano, and he's like, Jehovah Jireh, my, come on, kids, sing it out. Come on, kids. You know, like we're just like going after it. And this hyper-charismatic environment as fourth graders, and I'm like this little kid who's like, what in the heck is going on here? And so you see, there's these two extremes in my life that both are informing me that I have to do things in order to get God to show up in my life. An interesting side note is that when we returned back to the old school that we used to be at, when my mother stopped working at the charismatic school, we went back to um, this uh, church and school where I spent high school, was that the, the, my freshman year, we had this retreat, and that's where I encountered, at this place where I thought was so legalistic and so rigid, as a class together, the freshman class, we went to this A-frame cabin and we heard the gospel preached and the Holy Spirit showed up in that place. I mean, just wrecked us. And people were throwing down, you know, kids were throwing down cigarettes and pornography and everything was getting cast into, you know, into the place. And we prayed all night and we prayed the next day and we sang and the Spirit of God came. And I was like, man, what, you know, the hair on the back of my neck stood. I'm like, what is going on here? You know, we'll talk about being uh, constantly filled by the Holy Spirit. And that aspect of following Jesus, I just didn't get yet in my journey. So sadly, that didn't take, but I'll always remember, I'll always remember that A-frame cabin meeting with the Lord for the first time. And then after a a departure from the church, you know, that was just revival that didn't last in my life, you know. Revival never lasts, and it's too hard to keep these rules. I walked away from Jesus. I walked away from the church. And it wasn't until this, this church in Columbus and this woman named Sarah showed up in my life. And I started waiting tables at this restaurant and and um, Sarah came in to apply for a job, and, and she said, hey, you should check out this, uh, this church that I go to. It's called Vineyard Columbus. And the word around Columbus was that that place was a cult. There's some weird things going on at the vineyard, like why would I ever want to subject myself to that? But I loved music. I, I had been touched by the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit had, had come to me just like a month prior before I met her and, and um, cleaned me up, uh, got me sober off of drugs. And in my room that night, I said, I don't want to lead a life of destruction. God, if you're real, I need to be set free from this. I need life. I want to live. I don't want to die. Would you bring me life? 
And the next morning was Thanksgiving and I woke up and I felt free from addiction and I felt free from the burdens that were on my life. And I thought, you know what? If God can do that, I'll show up at the vineyard. I'll show up. So I started to show up at this place called Vineyard in Columbus and Sarah would introduce me to her friends and we'd start doing like these worship nights and that was fun and I was being changed by the Lord. And I remember in those days, I remember going through the shopping aisles at Target or at Kroger or wherever we were and and I would come up with arguments of why the gifts of the Spirit weren't for today with, with Sarah. I'd say, oh no, the, 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 God doesn't heal people today. That's why we have doctors. God doesn't do that. The Holy Spirit, like speaking in tongues is what crazy Mrs. Weber does. Like nobody does that. That's just fake. That's all phony baloney. Just follow Jesus. Just follow Jesus, Sarah. Like, you know, and she, you know, she'd be so grace, uh, gracious with me and she'd say, okay, you know, that's, that's fine for you in her Sarah kind of way. That's okay. That's right. And we were getting plugged in with this small group. And, and my friend Dan Nathan in Columbus, he gave me this book. It's called Surprised by the Power of the Spirit by Jack Deere. And, and I read that book. And, and through reading that book, I came to see how far off I had become in, in my view of who the Holy Spirit was and what his function is in my life and how he wants to change all of our lives and how he does use these things like supernatural healing. He carried, the Holy Spirit carries healing with him. We saw that demonstrated this morning and, and we're, we still pray and there's room for that here. If people don't get healed to continue to keep on praying. Because we know it's God's will for us eventually all to be healed, to be made whole. And he began to open my eyes to, to just carrying the Spirit of God in a naturally supernatural way. Partnering with the Holy Spirit. Partnering with the Holy Spirit. And what I came to find in those days, which I still believe with my whole heart, maybe even more so today, is that m- more so than any church culture or um, that I've been a part of, Vineyard, we are people of the Spirit. We are people of the Spirit. We say, come Holy Spirit. We want His rule, His reign in our lives. But if there's one marker by which we do all ministry, we are people of the Holy Spirit. You know, and it's not not like the the revival service that maybe many of you have been to before where the, where the prophetess, the important person, comes up and says, if we'll just sing for one more hour, God will show up and he'll do miraculous things. If we'll, if we'll just shout a little bit louder, God will, God will move. Likewise, on the other side of the spectrum, I know theologians who won't preach the gospel to people because they believe that that person isn't part of the elect yet. So you don't preach the gospel because they're not part of the gospel? I, how does that work? You know, like, this, so there's extremes to both sides, but in the vineyard, we partner with the Holy Spirit. And we believe that God is always at work in the lives of people all around us and in our own hearts, even though sometimes we might be completely unaware of his movement. 
Partnership is different than having to do things to get God to show up. And we see it there modeled by Jesus, that Jesus is in partnership with the Father and gives us this model to be in partnership or in communion, in fellowship with the Holy Spirit. And so while there may be all these adjectives to describe how you feel or I feel about the Holy Spirit, scary, confusing, um, all of these kind of negative adjectives that we attribute to the Holy Spirit, intimidating at times, we can trust that because Jesus is good, because God is good, that we don't have to be scared of his movement in our lives or around us. We don't have to be intimidated. We don't have to be confused about who he is. Because with the Holy Spirit, the results are always goodness, faithfulness, peace, love, joy, Patience, kindness, the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so to end, I just wanted to, we're not really too huge on lists here at Vineyard, but I just wanted to give us three ways that we can be better partners of the Holy Spirit. This is a relationship, and, and when we talk about relationship in the context of like a marriage we would say that this would apply. You know, there are ways that I can be a better partner to Sarah. There are ways that you can be a better partner to your spouse. And there are ways that they can be a better partner to you. Likewise, when it comes to partnership with the Holy Spirit, here's just three simple ones that I've identified. In John 3, you might be familiar with the the. The scripture verse that's all over, you know, behind goalposts today, all over the country, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever will believe in him will have eternal life. That verse is in the context of this very Holy Spirit-centered passage. And in John 3, verse 5, check out what Jesus says to Nicodemus. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. Here's the key. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear the sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In the vineyard, I always have to remind myself when I'm praying for people, I'll be like praying, you know, and, and you know, praying for uh, a sickness or an emotional issue that's going on. And then I'm like, oh yeah, in the vineyard we pray with our eyes open. Like, like I got to see what God's doing. And um, I want to encourage you to be a better partner with the Holy Spirit, to keep our eyes and our ears open. Keep our eyes and our ears open. And I know that's, that sounds like not very like high theological kind of vision or, or value, and it, and it kind of sounds like pavement, and, and we're on the street doing this thing, but just in a practical sense, keeping our eyes and ears open. I have to remind myself sometimes. 
We want to see, why do we do that at the vineyard? We do that because we can't see the Holy Spirit. I mean, I've not been in my morning devotions ever with my coffee and, and the Holy Spirit like walks through the front door into the living room and I'm like, hey, how's it going? Now, sometimes when I'm having my devotions, after I've walked Lucy and left the door unlocked on a windy day, the door flies open and I say, Holy Spirit? This is what Jesus is saying. Not one of us here has ever seen the Holy Spirit, but we can see the effects of the person of the Holy Spirit. And so I want to encourage you, whether it's at your nine to five, whether it's with your family in the context of parenting, or whether it's here at church when you're praying for someone, keep your eyes and your ears open. Because we want to see, how good is it to see the activity of the Holy Spirit. Oh, when that wind blows, you're praying for someone, they start to cry tears of joy. God's healing something in them. Isn't that so encouraging to see, to be a part of? You start praying for somebody's foot and, and the foot begins, to, and they say, my foot's getting all warm in there. I say, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. He's healing your foot right now. And how good that is to see the activity of the Holy Spirit. So keep your eyes and your ears open. As we partner with the Holy Spirit, we keep it simple. We keep it authentic and we be ourselves. You know, God made you, you, for a reason. You're called the poetry of God. Paul, in the letter to the church at Ephesus, calls you the poema in Greek, the poetry, the signature of God is inscribed in your life to bring about the kingdom of God, not only in your life, but in others' lives around you. And the most effective ministry in partnering with the Holy Spirit that we can do or be is when we're simply being ourselves. We don't have to hype it up and be like that spiritual leader that we admire. We don't have to try to conform to something to hype it up, to be something that we're not. God loves you. God made a purpose for you to walk in. And when you get in touch with this thing of partnership with the Holy Spirit, it, it unlocks us to be ourselves and just minister out of who we are who God is shaping us to become. And that's a freeing thing. And I've always loved that, and I continue to value that so highly about the Vineyard Movement, that we don't have to hype it up. We can just be ourselves and keep it simple and just be real. Okay? So keeping our eyes and our ears open, keeping it simple, uh, and authentic and being ourselves. And then lastly, to keep on asking for more of the Spirit's presence. Wimber always used to say that the presence of God and the power of God are not so separate as we like to make them out to be. But rather, it's in the presence of God we find the power not only to live a character-filled life filled with integrity and become shaped like Christ, but also to see the power of God come in the moment 
And that's why when we pray for healing, we worship God in our hearts. Because we believe that when we praise God, when we worship God, whether it's in a moment of silence or whether it's clapping our hands, that the power to do ministry, the ministry of Jesus, these impossible things like heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, is found not in some scripted prayer from the Catholic Church in the 12th century, not from anything other than the presence of God. And in the presence of Jesus, we find the same power that raised him from the dead is in action in our lives today. In Luke, you know, we read what we sang this morning. We read what we sang this morning. In Luke 11, Jesus is teaching, and he's... um, And and he gives us his prayer. And he says, this is how you should pray. When you pray, pray like this. And so the Lord's Prayer, you know, flows out from that time. And then in Luke 11, 5 through 13, check out what Jesus says. Suppose one of you has a friend. And he goes to him at midnight and he says, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. Then the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked, and my children are with me in bed, and I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him the bread because he is his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he will get up and give him as much as he needs, as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So the third and last thing that I'll leave you with today is that we're to keep on asking for more of the Spirit's presence. To not give up and asking for more of His presence. So you haven't seen the thing. You know, whatever it is for you. You want to see this part of your life healed. Or this relationship healed. Or that body part healed. Or you're praying for somebody and you haven't seen healing yet. Or, or you want to see the dead raised. Or you want to see this city changed. Or you want to see homelessness come to an end. Or the addicted get free. Or, um, you know, expecting mothers cared for. Single moms looked after. Whatever, whatever it is, whatever's on your heart that you want to see in the kingdom. My encouragement is to not give up. So you haven't seen it yet. You haven't seen the thing. Don't give up. Like God put that desire in you. And it may sound ridiculous. I want to see the dead raised. How ridiculous does that sound? Because we know that dead people don't come back to life. 
It's ridiculous, but gosh, I want to see it. I want to see it. And I know that that desire in me is from God. I'll see it someday. Don't give up. Evan, don't give up. I hear the Spirit. You know, don't give up. Be encouraged. Seek more of the Holy Spirit's presence, and you will find. Jesus said it. He said it. Seek more, and you will find.